Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, it's so good to be here in Leamington. It always feels like I'm coming home. And uh, it's also fun to be with family. And uh, Marjorie and I are spending a few days here with her mom, who's 93, and doing very well, still beating us in Scrabble regularly. So, uh, yeah, it's a gift to be in family. My wife and I have two kids. Josh is 27. Libby's 24. You can pray for Libby. She's got a big assignment this summer. She's an intern with the Conservative Party in Ottawa. She's working with Ed Fast, and uh, she had a crazy week. So this was her first week in Ottawa, and she was talking about all the different people that she was meeting, and, and uh, I, just, I just said, well, Libby, we've got to be praying for you because you are in a very... A very uh, interesting place at an interesting time. So uh, we love our kids, uh, and God's using each of them. But I, a uh, number of years ago, uh, they got me a Christmas gift unlike any other. Um, it wasn't a thing. It was an experience. They, they gave me a, a gift certificate, one of these Groupon gift certificates, 50% off, uh, the privilege of jumping off a cliff, <laughs> right? You're opening up your Christmas gift, and you're thinking, like, what is this? So uh, it, it had to be redeemed by July the 15th. I waited right till July the 15th to redeem it. And uh, they got me in that day. It was the last day I could do it. And went to this place. We live in an area, you know, in, in BC, where there's a fair amount of mountains you can jump off of if that's your thing. So I went down to uh, this place, and um, they had, uh, uh, it was a very humble-looking barn, converted barn, where they had the, the administrative offices. And I think the bottom line was, sign the waiver like that really was the bottom line just sign all the fine print so I, I, I signed and but I noticed the guy when he was walking up to me like when he's greeting me he's walking like this right and uh, when you're about to jump off a cliff with a guy it's important to ask lots of questions at least I felt it was so I'm like what actually happened to your leg by the way and uh, he said, you know, a, a couple of days ago, I was uh, talking to a customer just like you. I explained to the customer what I'll explain to you. Your job as the customer, you're the engine. So we're going to get this parachute uh, thing set up behind you. I'm the pilot, you're the engine. So when I say run, I say go, you go. And there's this flat part on top of the mountain, and you, you run on this, like you're sprinting on this flat part. And there's a huge parachute behind you that as you run, it fills up with air, and then as you jump off the cliff, it carries you. And so I explained this to the customer, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we got all set up. I said, go, and he's running, but it's not natural to run off a cliff. Like it's, so he had second thoughts, right? So he hit the brakes at the last second. He said, we got tangled up, we kind of, he, we went over the cliff, and then he landed on me, and I landed on some rocks, and so my whole side is all bruised. I'm like, oh, this is horrible, you know? Like, how do I avoid this? So um, I said, well, like, I, my question was, what did you do then? Like, I'm thinking you, you fired the customer. Like, you, 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 this guy's a, a disaster. He said, I looked at the customer, and I said, that did not go well. Would you like to try that again? Right? Crazy. The man is crazy. 
So he trusted his life into that customer's hands a second time. And I had this, you know, as I was reflecting on that, I thought, I thought that, that is grace, right? There's times when we totally mess up and we get tangled up and we land right on top. We actually wound the Lord. And he looks at us and says, that did not go well. Would you like to try that again? Have you had the Lord just say, let's try that again? I've had that so many times. He is so full of grace to me. I'm just overwhelmed with the love and the grace of God. So anyways, this story is definitely in my mind on top of the mountain, right? So I'm like, I am not going to be that guy. Like, I will not be that guy. So they put me, there's different pilots. They put me with this gal who is, I'm going to say she was 90 pounds, like not much more than that. She's a Russian gymnast. She jumps a lot uh, with people off these cliffs. And so she, she was, I didn't even know she was there, actually. She was like a backpack. She, her, her feet never touched the ground. Like, she was just back there somewhere. And uh, when she said go, I started running. And I was like, okay, this, I'm just giving it everything. My wife is up there taking pictures. So she's picturing, like, the whole thing. I got lots of photos. And when I get off the cliff, I'm not, I'm not going to stop until she says stop, right? So I'm running. We're, uh, we're way out in space. Like, we are now flying and I'm still running and she's yelling at me stop stop Marjorie gets this classic picture I'm right out in space I'm like that right and and so anyways we showed them all the pictures at the end of the jump and they were just like that is good form like that thing and so they called us a few weeks later and they said we want to submit this photo to the paragliding calendar competition in Canada, right? I have no idea. I don't submit. To, I don't subscribe to that calendar, so I have no. Idea. But I, I, I wonder if I might be Mr. April or May, right? Just <laughs> going for it like that. So I have this. Uh, I have this. You know, this. There's this moment of apprehension, anxiety. We launch off the cliff. I just want to do it right, and then we start drifting down. The pull of gravity. It's taking you down, no matter if you got a parachute or not. So you're drifting down slowly. And we can see the Fraser River, lots of trees. She's heading for an area of clear cut where the trees have been removed because she knows there's something going on there. The sun is baking the ground. Air is warming. And warm air rises. So you can't see this with your eyes. But something is going on over that clear cut that is powerful. She heads for that. She's wearing an altimeter, which measures altitude increase of one meter with a little beep. And I haven't heard it. That's not, I haven't heard any beeps. So we, get, we go over top of this clear cut. We start circling the clear cut, and I hear the first beep, which means we're going up, not down. Beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. And then it's just like constant beeps. And this thing, this unseen escalator is powerfully carrying us up. So high that I'm looking down at the jump point. I'm looking down at the mountain I just jumped off of. I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. Powerful. She says, you know, we can ride these thermals almost indefinitely on nice days. Like we can just go from one thermal, drift down, another thermal, drift down. There's thermals, and then there's updrafts up the side of mountains. 
There's all kinds of ways of reading geography and using those updrafts as a source of power. <clears throat> Any scriptures come to mind? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run <coughs> excuse me, and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Right? There is a source of power greater than the downward pull of sin in our lives. Have you found that source of power? Not intellectually, experientially. Do you know it? Is something within you more powerful than the pull of sin? Can you look at the enemy and go, no, in Jesus' name? Because the Spirit of God is giving you boldness and freedom. Do you know what I'm talking about? They that wait upon the Lord. Not a passive, resigned, arms crossed, like God, if you're going to do something, go ahead. But an anticipatory, leaning in, towel over the arm, waiting like a waiter, waiting on the Lord. Father, Father, I need you. How can I cooperate with you? How can I, how can I serve you? Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on God. The uh, early disciples learned to wait on God. People throughout history have learned to wait on God. I think uh, Adam and Eve are where the whole design kind of got launched. Adam was spoken into existence, and then the, the Lord breathed into him his ruach, his spirit, and Adam became a living being. And then it says, Adam and Eve, you know, we know the temptation happened, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it gives us a window on their communion with God through the spirit. Genesis chapter three, verse eight, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. Interestingly enough, they didn't see the Lord God, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, hid because of sin. Shame keeps us from the presence of God. Shame keeps us from uh, that communion and separates us from the love of God. But God's, you know, pursuing us. God's taking the initiative. God's saying, I wanna know you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna talk to you. So it's God who's pursuing Adam and Eve. And the word cool of the day is the word ruach. It's not actually a word of temperature. It's translated cool of the day, but actually the word cool of the day is the word ruach. When Adam and Eve heard the sound of God and felt the breath of God, they were drawn to actually commune with God. Sin was trying to keep them from that, but that was the invitation of God, was to, was to commune. Spirit to spirit, face to face. Enoch walked with God. Same picture, intimacy, spirit to spirit. Enoch was born when Adam was 600 years old. You realize that? Adam lived 300 years when Enoch was, was living. They overlap by 300 years. 
Can you imagine Enoch saying to his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, what was it like to walk with God in that level of intimacy? What was that like? And I believe Enoch began crying and calling out to God, and the scripture says God walked with him, like Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. God developed a pattern of intimate communion with Enoch and then he took him into his presence. Amazing. Noah walked with God. God gave Noah assignments related to his call and purpose for his life and he had such clarity around those assignments he was willing to deal with all of the disparaging comments of people who said, what are you doing building a boat? Like what? A boat for what? Why so big? Decades and decades he's building this boat and he's doing it in obedience because he knows the voice of the Lord. And he values communion with God more than the acceptance of his community. Do you hear that? He values communion with God more than the acceptance of his community. And because of that, he becomes a prophetic witness in his generation. God's still looking for those who will commune with him and receive their assignments from him. He's still looking for those who will cooperate with him. And you say, well, that's not me. I mean, I just, I just, I got a job and I'm just trying to pay the bills. No, 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 no. If you're a son and daughter of the king, you, you possess his presence, his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is there not just to uh, be a sign or a seal of your salvation. Holy Spirit is meant to bring you into intimate communion with God, spirit to spirit. If you have people, okay, some of you are business people. If you have folks who are just focused on the retirement plan and the benefits, would you hire them? I don't think so. I don't think so. You want people who are going to show up and work, put in a full day's work. They actually are there because they want to contribute something that's going to make a difference, that's going to move the enterprise forward. If all you're focused on is the retirement plan and the benefits, you're not really a lot of good to me. This is not just about heaven, and it's not just about us. It's about the kingdom of God and the mission of the king, and I'm telling you, friends, there are assignments, and we need the communion of God, the empowering work of the Spirit of God in our lives to accomplish the purposes of God through our lives. Noah was one of those, but there are many others. Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. He's the father of the faith, and he shows us how to respond to the promises of God. So 75 years old, and he gets a promise that's going to change his life and the nation's. At age 75, he is, he's getting a revelation of the purpose of his life. You're not too old to get a revelation of the purpose of your life. 75, God says, through your body, I'm going to bless the nations. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all peoples of, on earth will be blessed through you. So this word blessing is constantly repeated 
He says, I'm going to make your name great. To make his name great, he actually had to change his name. So Abraham's walking as this man, Abram, which means exalted father, and he's living with that hope of being a father, carrying a, a child, a birth, you know, conceiving a child, and, and his wife, you know the story, she gives him Hagar, and there's an Ishmael story in the middle of that 24 years of faith. And uh, you know, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a detour. Age, age 99, God speaks to him again, renews the covenant, gives him the sign of circumcision, and says, this is uh, not just for you, this is again for the generations that are gonna be uh, coming after you. I'm changing your name from Abram to Abra. Abram to Abra. That's the Ruach, that is the Spirit of God. Not only his name changed, but his destiny has changed. Abraham means father, not just exalted father, father of nations, many nations, multiplied nations. And you say, I'm just, you know, who am I? I'm just like, I'm just nobody. Here's the thing, filled with the Spirit of God, you walk in the same promises that Abraham had. You have the same potential. Psalm chapter 2, David says, God says through David, Ask of me, and I'm going to give you nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your, for your possession. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Fishermen, tax collectors, lowlifes are empowered by the Spirit of God, and their destiny and inheritance is nations. Not just their own survival, not just the benefit plan, not just hanging on till heaven, eternity and bringing nations with you. Now, when I first heard this, I was 19 years old. I was working in a you know, youth hostel in Jerusalem. I was just, I was like just, my life was just about me. When I gave my life to God, he began giving me promises like this. I want you to know, this happens. This is real. God can give you an inheritance amongst the nations. Faithful with a little, I'll give you more to do. He wants to give you a heart for the nations that you would be blessed, not just for yourself, that's just, that's Abram. Blessed to be a blessing, that's Abraham. Anointed by the Ruach, the Spirit of God, empowered to do what you could never do in your own strength. The future, the path, the destiny of your life changes because the living God is living now through you. His purposes for your life. The church is meant to be a blessing to the nations. So the big cul-de-sac, the big detours, it's all about us. If we just fill this room once or twice a Sunday, we've done our job. Come on! That is not it! Filling a room once a week is not church. We are the people of God, representing the culture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, called to bring the life, the transforming power of the gospel to every sector and sphere of society. We are not dependent on the government to do that. We bring the life, the wisdom, the truth of God to the education system, to the marketplace, to every sphere of society. Every one of us are called. It's not just a few called to go church plant in some remote part of the world. Every one of us is called to be a kingdom ambassador where we are in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you with me on this? No one gets a pass here this morning. 
No one gets a pass. Every one of us has a kingdom mission assignment. And if you're not clear what that is, there's nothing more important in your life this morning than figuring that out. Asking the Lord, what is my kingdom assignment? What is my contribution to your kingdom mission? This is job one. It gives perspective to everything you do. You get up in the morning and you desperately need the power of God because you can't accomplish his purposes for your life in your own strength. It's, it's, it's impossible. You desperately need him. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just so you get to, get to join some bless me club and you have some, you know, some spiritual gifts and stuff. It's not about us. It's about the mission of God. Empowered to live on mission in the power of his spirit. So David knew that. David knew that. David and so many of these other guys are unexplainable apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel chapter 16 gives us a window on David's story and you don't get David's life without this verse. I was reading this Samuel recently in this Life Journal reading plan and I just was just reminded of this again. 1 Samuel 16. Samuel finds David, you know, the Saul thing didn't go well and God anoints a new leader, a young guy, teenager, it says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Right? After that, he's confronting bears, bears, lions, giants. What is this man thinking? This is crazy. No one confronts dangerous animals and, you know, large people who like killing others unless they have a source of power within them that is unnatural, that is supernatural. You cannot explain David's life without 1 Samuel 17 or 1 Samuel 16 verse 13. You don't, his life does not make sense. None of it happens without that verse. If the Spirit of God does not anoint David with power, he's got nothing. And I got nothing. And you got nothing either. Are you with me? This is not just for David. This is for all of us. Psalm 2, David says, ask of me. The Lord says, ask of me, I'll give you nations as your inheritance. Why is David thinking about nations? He's just an Israelite. He's an Israelite you know, young man, he's a shepherd, he's a warrior, then he's a king. What's the nations all about? You find his heart for the nations, God's heart for the nations, coming out again and again in the Psalms. Why? Because he's a, he's a channel through which the Spirit of God is speaking about his salvation plan for nations. God's heart has always been to reconcile all nations, all peoples to himself. So we get these ones, these twos, but there's coming a day when it's not just going to be a handful. There's going to be multitudes of people empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the mission of the King. So I, I occasionally, uh, uh, you know, I just, I, it, like Chris said, I, there's some stories that I see and experience that are just so inspiring. And uh, I was on one of, those, one of those trips recently to Malawi, uh, Southern Africa, and... Uh, the uh, church there that we're a part of, we've been nurturing and walking alongside this movement for a number of years now. Uh, the guy who started the first church, his name is uh, Safari, and he came from uh, 
eastern Congo. He's a Tutsi. And okay, that picture of Safari there. You got him in the red shirt. Okay, the guy beside him. Let me back up here. Eastern Congo, he's in a community of Tutsis. A Hutu militia comes through one day, kills everyone in the village. This has been going on for years. So the whole thing that tore Rwanda apart is going on in South Kivu, uh, Eastern Congo. And his village was one of the you know villages that got hit. So his parents are killed, siblings killed, he's left for dead, he survives. He recovers in a clinic and then he walks four months down to Malawi, walks with his like nothing, nothing but his clothes. Gets down to this refugee camp, Zaleka, and he feels like God's calling him to plant a church. This is amazing. The fact that a guy who's just had his whole family massacred, that's had, that's had death stare him right in the face, is now thinking of planting a church in a refugee camp. That, for me, is astounding. Only the Spirit of God does stuff like that. Plants this church two years in, the guy who killed his family, Gilbert, shows up in camp, recognizes him, sees him in front of the Red Cross store, walks up to him. This is the guy who killed your family. Walks up to him. What would you say? Where you stand tonight? Nowhere. You want to come to my house? Okay. Gilbert is afraid. Comes to his house, has a meal, meets his family, spends the night there. Lives with Safari's family for three years. Sees the gospel, experiences the gospel, and gives his life to Christ gets freed of all of his demons and now is one of the site pastors in the 36 churches that that church has planted in the communities around 11,000 people baptized in the last 10 years isn't that incredible only God writes stories like that this gospel of reconciliation is more powerful than the downward pull of sin, death and revenge killing. Some of you are facing cancer. Some of you are facing other challenges. You go like, you have no idea what my life is like. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to encourage you here this morning. There's something greater than death. It's the resurrection, life, and power of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The Spirit of God is going up. The power of sin and death is always trying to pull us down. Which way are you going? Which way are you going? What direction are you being taken? Have you discovered a source of power greater than the downward pull of the stuff that's attacking your life today? We can come under the downward spiral of discouragement, of fear, thoughts that only bring death. Or we can allow the Spirit of God to carry us and lift us and empower us and realize, as Chris said earlier, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We actually are at another, we're, at, we're actually in an above, not below. We are seated with one who has overcome. And we pray, we, 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 we live, we stand in God's promises from that place. Ones and twos, but there was a day coming when multitudes would respond to the gospel and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what uh, 
That's what Joel prophesied. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, Zechariah 4, 6. There's coming a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The prophets spoke of it. Israel anticipated it. They were waiting for what we now know as the birth of the church. Jesus came conceived by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Spirit of God in the Jordan River at age 30. Uh, We know that the Holy Spirit came among him in bodily form. When he went to his home synagogue, he was uh, very clear on the kingdom gospel mandate. Psalm 61, he quotes it. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Luke chapter four, verse 18, he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love the holistic dimension of the gospel. I love all those different you know, components, physical and spiritual freedom, sight, you know, feeding, spiritually uh, feeding and, you know, just the, the, the whole dimension of God's work of restoration in our lives. But none of it, none of it happens without the first line. If the spirit of the sovereign Lord is not on us, we got nothing. We got nothing. And Jesus was so aware of that. The Son of God required full surrender to the spirit of God to accomplish the Father's mission. He shows us the way. He wasn't just our Savior. He himself was a disciple, discipled by the Father. He gives us the prototype, the way of being a disciple. Amen? Are we dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God's called us to do? And our assignments are all different But I I guarantee you, if they're kingdom assignments, they can only be accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit. Intercession requires the Holy Spirit. Witness requires the Holy Spirit. Wisdom and teaching require the Holy Spirit. There is just so much uh, life that flows from the Spirit of God. If you'll give God whatever your capacities are, Ask him to fill you with his presence, not just once, every single day. This morning I was on my knees. It's the first thing I do every morning. I get on my knees beside my bed. I just surrender myself to God. I worship God for who he is. I ask him to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, every unclean thing. I resist pride, fear, lust, independence. I say no in Jesus' name. I ask him to fill me with the Holy Spirit this morning, Last night, or yesterday, last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I've been doing this for 35 years. Are you with me? I need God. I've never needed him more. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. Or I've got nothing. Are you with me? We need the Holy Spirit. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. I believe this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you up. He wants to release his life and presence within each one of us in new ways. Every time there's opportunities to to surrender, 
Every time there's opportunities to receive prayer, lean in. Say yes. Receive. Every time there's opportunities to bless others, go for it. This is our heritage as sons and daughters of the king. This life that Jesus lived provoked his disciples to jealousy. They're like, how do we do that? How do we pray like you pray? Like, how, how does that work? Teach us to pray. He's like, you know what? When I leave, you're going to do not only the things I did, even greater things than I did. I'm, you're going to accomplish all of this mission call that I've given you to do. You're going to be able to get the job done. Not in your own strength, but because I'm sending you a counselor, a comforter. He's going to enable and work through you to do what I've called you to do. The disciples are like, what? They don't get it. They don't understand the crucifixion. They don't understand all of it. And they go AWOL. We know the story. Peter, you know, denies Christ three times. John 21, he's in a, he's in a fishing boat. He's, he's just lost the mission call. He's lost perspective. He's on his own thing. He's not fishing for people. John 21, he's fishing for fish. He's off, he's off point. Not only is he off point, he's getting his buddies to come with him. This great mission commission is hanging from a very slender thread. And Jesus is pretty calm about it. Hey guys, you caught anything? No. Well, okay. That's the Lord. Peter jumps in, swims to shore, has a conversation with Jesus. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you, do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? Are you willing to love me and pay whatever price? Are you willing to lo love me with the kind of covenant, sacrificial love that I've loved you with? Are you willing to give me everything? Yeah, I am. Okay. That love stirred up Peter's affections and passion enough that he could go back to Jerusalem, get into a ten, lead a 10-day prayer meeting. Right? He leads a 10-day prayer meeting for 120 people. He made some movement there. In that 10-day prayer meeting, what are they doing? They're waiting on the Lord. What happens when you wait on the Lord? They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. How's this going to happen? I got no idea. What came through that room? After 10 days, on the day of Pentecost, a mighty, a violent wind came through that room. A violent room, a violent wind blew through that room. It wasn't a whisper, it wasn't a breath, it was a hurricane went through that room. Have you ever heard of the transformations videos? Years ago, 20 years ago? Have you seen any of those? You can look them up online. One of them dealt with uh, the Inuit, I think it was Pond Inlet. Inuit up in uh, Hudson Bay. And uh, it was, I just remember this, it was just awe-inspiring because they had revival meetings. God was speaking to people. These Inuit people were getting right with God. They took their pornography and they took their junk, whatever the, whatever the things that God was convicting them of, and they put it on the ice floe and they burned it. They burned it. And then they went back into their, their, their little humble church and they were seeking God and the holy, the holy fire, the spirit, Holy, the wind of God blew through that place. And somebody left the audio taping on. And when you, ha you hear the audio track, the hair at the back of your neck will go right up on end. Because this, this is an indoor thing, but it's like a hurricane went through that room. 
It's just, it's this intense wind. And it's just like, the whole room is shaking. The whole bunch of Inuit people are flat on the ground, literally. No one's like, okay, could we all like just drop? No, like, it's like flat face down. Oh my goodness. This is the presence of almighty God. This is the wind of God. Acts chapter 2, they were never the same. Acts chapter 1, they're fighting about leadership. They're trying to figure out how to fill a gap in their leadership team. Right? They got no idea what's coming in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 1 doesn't make sense anymore. It's like, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? 120 people get filled with the Spirit of God. It's a game changer. A few days later, what happens? Three, well, same day, 3,000 people get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple of days later, another 2,000 people. Now you got thousands of people, not 12, thousands, empowered, released, sent into the mission of God. Today, you've got millions. You've got hundreds of millions of people on planet Earth who are living in communion with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a massive global movement that we're a part of. This is unprecedented. And today, God's reaching peoples that have never heard the gospel. I was in North India a little while ago, and there is a powerful move of God. 2,000 people groups that are unreached in that part of the world. Four to 500 million people live in North India in the greater Ganges River Basin. This is the largest spiritual pilgrimage in the world happened when I was there at the end of January. 120 million people are walking into the Ganges River in a mass salvific event, believing that that's going to cleanse them of their sin. Crazy. Crazy. As I was there, I was talking to a bunch of leaders, and there was a... Uh, there was a leadership gathering of guys from all over North India. We had a time of prayer. We were in Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, then we went, uh, we went into a time of just quiet, personal prayer. And God showed me a picture of North India. I saw, I was looking down on North India. I saw a cloud covering the whole area. And it was a cloud of spiritual darkness. And I just asked the Lord, what is this? What's, what, what am I looking at? What does that cloud represent? He said, that, that's, that's the powers of darkness, trying to block what my spirit's doing in this place. And I said, how did it get there? And he just reminded me of that pilgrimage. He said, these people are covenanting and they're renewing their covenants with the powers of darkness. They're giving them the authority that I've given people created in my image. They're, they're giving that authority to the powers of darkness. And they are, are living under the rule of those principalities and powers. And then he reminded me what he did in Ephesians chapter 1. He reminded me of the gospel. And he said, the power that I want to remind you of, this incomparably great power for us who believe, Ephesians chapter 1, that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And he said, where are you? And I realized, I'm in Christ. I'm part of the body. And if he's above this cloud, he's above the powers of darkness. If he's already won the victory, I'm in him. What are you going to do about it? I'm like, what can I do? He said, you can intercede. You can talk to me. And you can also, from this place, take authority. And I just said, Lord, how? Apply the finished work of the cross. You can bring the atoning work of the cross to this battle. Tell these guys. Tell them who they are as the church. He took me to Ephesians 3, verse 10. Now through the church, that's you and me. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Through the church. What is the wisdom of God? It's the foolishness of this world. It's the cross. That God would send his son to die a humiliating death and atone for the sin of the world as we celebrated earlier this morning. That resurrection coming out of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we testify that that's our reality when we live in the power of the resurrection. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We testify that that, that story is our story. That's what we're saying. And when we live that message, it's the wisdom of God to the powers of darkness. So I said to these guys, I said, I want you to repent on behalf of your people group. I shared the story with them. I said, you've got authority. Repent on behalf of your people for the covenants they're making with darkness. And these guys all said, yep. They stood up and the place went bananas. All these leaders just, there was a roar of intercession. They all prayed at the same time as they're crying out to God in repentance for the covenants of their people with darkness. As they're identifi ident identifying with their people and repenting and applying the victory of the cross. And then they're asking God to pour out his spirit upon their peoples and set them free. I left that day of intercession thinking about Canada, thinking about the battles in this country. What blocks the Holy Spirit from being poured out on this country? Will we contend as a church? Will we wait on God? Not just for our own personal renewal, but for the outpouring of His presence in this nation. Will He find us a praying church that's waiting on the Lord? With the Lord interceding through us. Not prayers from below, but prayers from above. Jesus is waiting until all of these enemies will be made a footstool, right? Underneath him. How? Through the church. Through the church. Us. Applying the victory of the cross through our lives, through our witness, through our intercession. Walking as overcomers in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me here this morning? Do you understand what we just talked about? These are some deep things, but they're also simple. If they're applied personally, you're willing to say, yes, I make myself available as a vessel filled with the presence of God. And as we close the service today, invite the Lord to fill you with his presence again, renew you, and then accomplish his mission purposes through you in the job place, in the workplace, in the, in the schools that you're in, in the community. And some of you could be in nations. There's more that God's giving you as an inheritance. He's calling you to nations. All of that is possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's respond to the Lord's invitation this morning as we close 
and I invite Chris to lead us. Why don't you stand? Well, we want to just turn this into a place of prayer now for the next little while. And we say every week that we have people who will pray with you for anything. And this is, it's that, but it's a little different than that. And so anyone uh, on our prayer team is praying today, if you could come forward. If there's anyone extra on prayer who's around, if you could come forward. And any leaders who can come help us pray, uh, Randy's going to be up here praying as well. So if you could come on forward now. And we're just going to open up the altars. We're not going to close with a song like we normally would. So you are dismissed as of this point. But we are just going to pray for any anyone who just wants uh, even a taste of what Randy is talking about today. For anyone who's saying, you know what, I'm feeling dry and I just need to be refilled or I've never been filled. I'm not sure what that feels like, but I want to experience it. Or anyone who's just hungry for a touch of God or some encouragement from him this morning. We're going to invite you forward and we're just going to pray here for a while. And if you don't want to partake in that, we'll just ask you to go visit outside just so this can be a place of prayer. So come on forward and we would be happy to pray with you this morning. And if you're going to head out, God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.